0: You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on Leadership, Vision, and Creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the February 2012 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Woo-hoo! My name is Shane Duffy and I'll be our host today. And Perry, we're going to jump right in uh, to today's topic. This is stemming from a po- uh, blog post. I want to say podcast. I don't know what I was going to say. I was I was
1: rolling with you, man. I, you
0: know, my, I'm tongue twisted. This is not a good job. It's all right. You're doing, you're doing you're doing so good. But we're going to press through anyway. Stop this, being insecure, Shane. <laughs> That's what we're talking I've, about. I know. I'm battling with that right now. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, today's topic stems from a blog post you did this past Thursday, uh, I believe February 16th, at PerryNoble.com, and the title of that blog post was "10 Signs You're an Insecure Leader." And as I was uh, coming up with some questions for this, I thought, well, I want to know what the definition of insecure is. So I looked it up, and the definition is simply this, not confident or assured, uncertain or anxious. So let me just ask you this. Why did you decide to deal with the issue of insecurity? Because I've battled it. Um, I think every leader, if they're incredibly honest,
1: would have to admit that at some point you have dealt with, battled with Insecurity, and so it's one of those things um, that we don't like to talk about uh, because we all like to pretend that we don't deal with it. But that's I, I came up with the idea. Um, you know, some of my best stuff comes out of the stupid stuff that I've done. Some, you know, Andy Stanley says if you preach out of your weakness, you'll never run out of material, and that's where this blog post came from, just out of stuff that I've dealt with.
0: Well, um, let me just ask you this before we get into the specifics of the post. Um, what are the? What's the primary danger for an insecure leader?
1: Um, it, it's called collateral damage. Uh, if you're an insecure leader, um, you, you you are going to damage yourself. You're going to damage your reputation. If you're a church Christian leader, you're going to. Um, you're going to do a little damage to the name of, of Jesus. Um, God's, God's a pretty, pretty good reputation defender, though, so he'll, he'll clean that up. Um, but ultimately, you're going to damage a lot of people. You're going to damage a lot of lives. One of the books um, that's been foundational, and Shane, you'll remember several years ago, we had the staff read through the book Integrity by Henry Cloud, and he talks about the wake that we leave. And the wake that we leave needs to be something um, that we can look back on and be proud of rather than, wow, I screwed up a bunch of people's lives.
0: Well, with that, I think uh, it'd serve us all well to just kind of step through the 10 signs that you listed in your blog post, and I'm just going to read those and just ask you to comment on them, and we'll uh, hit any questions maybe that that come from that conversation. But the first sign you listed was this. You see people as working for you and not with you. Yes. um, The the problem when you see
1: people uh, working for you and not with you is that you began to abuse people. Uh, you'll. I, I've been to conferences, uh, Shane, you've seen it, where leaders will get up and talk about, well, I believe that the pastor should have time off. I believe the pastor should take extended periods of rest. I believe the pastor should do this. And you know what, Shane? I believe all that. I mean, you're, you, you don't have to sell me on any of that. But what you've really got to do is make sure that you don't only, if you're a senior pastor or senior leader, you have to make sure you not only believe that for you, you have to believe that for everyone who's working with you. And if you have an incredibly high staff turnover um, at your church, it might be because you view all those people as working for you. And if you view somebody as working for you, then they, they got to get the job done. they just got to get it done, no matter what it takes. Oh, oh, I ruined your weekend. Oh, you can't go off and celebrate your anniversary. Oh, you can't do this. Well, yeah, that's fine because you've got to get the job done. But when you view them as working with you, you see it as more of a partnership. You see it as more of a you know what we're in this together, back to back, shoulder to shoulder type thing. Um, and somebody's somebody on your team or somebody on your staff is always going to be more willing to get your back um, when they go. Yes, that's the boss. They do understand leadership. They do understand you're the boss. But you know what? Not only you're my boss, you're my friend, mm-hmm. um, and you really do care. You really do care more about me as a person than just the work I produce. Um, I can get people to produce work. That's not a problem. That's not hard. But the, the goal of the leader is to care more about them as a person. Because if they're getting work done, but they're at the church all the time, and they're, and they're at 80 hours a week, and they're never spending time with their family, that's going to be a big deal one day. That's going to be a very big deal.
0: Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying to you. We can always get people who can produce work. Yep. But if that's all you're concerned about, you'll always be having to find more people to Mm -hmm. produce work because of large staff turnover.
1: Well, the problem develops because an insecure leader will go, oh, my gosh, if I tell them to go home early, um, they're not going to get this done and this ain't going to get done and this ain't going to get done. But what you don't understand is if you tell them to go home early and their home life is great. I, I say this all the time. People with great marriages that are healthy mentally, physically, and emotionally are going to get work done. But you got to care more about them than the work they're doing. So Um, good.
0: Sounds, too, like what you're saying is the the work can't revolve around the leader. It needs to revolve around the vision.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, the second uh, sign that you're an insecure leader from your blog post says this. Everyone who pushes back on any of your ideas is automatically branded as disloyal. Because for you, loyalty is defined as loving everything I say and do.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. If I hear one more person lecture on loyalty, um, I think I might jump off a cliff. Because, (laughs) listen, man, if you're a leader worth following, you don't have to declare you need to be loyal to me. Um, If you're a leader worth following, people are going to be loyal to you, period. Um, And one of the things I've discovered is... Uh, one of the rules we have here at New Spring Church, and Shane, you know this because you're in these meetings, is behind closed doors, I need you to say it. Because I don't ever want to be, as a leader, the emperor who has no clothes. I don't want to be that guy that goes, hey, I got a great idea, and everybody's like, yes, boss, that's a great idea. And I do it, and it's the <laughs> dumbest idea ever, but nobody had the courage to tell me the truth because as soon as they told me the truth, I would brand them as disloyal and eventually fire them. uh d- Listen, disloyalty is somebody that'll let you do something stupid and, and not mm-hmm. tell you, oh, please don't do that. Listen, Jesus loves you. I love you. I don't like that idea. Um, I, think, I think leaders have to surround themselves with people that will speak the truth in love, mm-hmm. not a jerk, not a rear end, and not the devil's advocate. I say it all the time. He does not need an advocate. He does a great job by himself, but they do need someone who will be loyal. And loyalty is, I'm going to tell you the truth, even if it brings some tension into this meeting or into this relationship.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the phrases are, that we hear or that we talk about sometimes is inside, inside the meeting, inside the walls, we can be the harshest of critics. But yep. when we're outside the walls, we need to be everyone's champion. Absolutely. Uh, also, I just started thinking about that. you talking about people say, follow me or be loyal. I'm, Jesus asked his disciples to follow him once and then he just led them by example the rest yep. of the time. He never had to say, I'm the leader, he didn't, I'm the leader. Yeah, he didn't beg them to continue to mm-hmm. follow him. No. Jesus, he's... He's so, awesome. He's, he's awesome. a great leader. All right, insecurity, sign number three was this. Every time someone begins to say something good about someone else, you've all... I'm sorry. Every time someone begins to say something good about someone else, you always have to be the person who says, quote... Yes, but what you don't know about them is, unquote, and from that point tear them down under the disguise of being concerned about them.
1: Oh, God. Okay, listen, there's two reasons I know this so well. Number one is I had a friend that used to do this a lot. Um, I, I, we would be talking about, oh, man, did you hear about so-and-so's church? Man, they're, doing, they're blowing up. Yeah, but what you don't know is da-da-da-da-da. And I'd be like, ooh. And, and, and so those conversations take place. And so it drove me crazy that he did that until I realized a few months later that I was doing the exact same thing because at the end of the day, um, Christians really do mourn pretty well together, but we don't celebrate together very well. Um, Hey, if something bad happened to you, man, I feel bad. Now, I'm, I'm probably cheering inside, which is a little jacked up, but I feel bad. But if something good happened to you, then I don't want to celebrate what happened good in you because I'm insecure. Because if I celebrate something good in your ministry or something good in your church, then people are going to look at me and say, well, you're not as good as that person. And then everybody's going to go and follow them. You know, that's, that's the um, insecurity that kind of wells up inside of a leader. So anytime somebody begins to tell you something bad about somebody, when you've told them something good about that person, an overwhelming majority of the time, they're just very, very very insecure, and they don't want to celebrate the goodness that God is bringing about in somebody else's life.
0: So true. Comparison trap is a killer.
1: Yeah, T.D. Jakes said it best. He said some men never leave the locker room, and uh, I just let that one sit out there for a while. So
0: true. Uh, Insecurity sign number four, you get jealous when someone on your team receives any sort of public affirmation, but you are not mentioned at all. Remember how Saul felt when he was when it was said Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten th- tens of thousands. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we have speakers speak from time to time in our church. Uh, one of them is Clayton King. Uh, the other one is Brad Cooper, um, our ridiculously handsome youth pastor, and. Sometimes they'll preach, and I'll see people on Twitter going, Amazing message, amazing message, amazing message. And every time I see that, I literally have to stop. Because if you let your mind wander, it'll be like, Oh my gosh, they like them. They like them so much. They're better preachers than me. Oh my gosh, they're going to take over the church. They're going to (laughs) take over the world. And you, you literally can let your mind go there. And so, what you've got to learn how to do is say, You know what? Here, I think this is what I think it's my job to do. Every time. A ministry in this church gets attentioned, gets attention, and I'm not named. I think it's my job to go back in and reaffirm the attention that they got, and say, "Yes, I'm standing behind them. I'm standing beside them." Yay, God. Um, for example, your wife is over all of our children's ministry. Yep. Well, anytime KidSpring gets mentioned, I don't get mentioned because I shouldn't, because I have nothing to do with KidSpring <laughs> except we drop my little girl off there every week. I step back in and go, "Yes, KidSpring is awesome." Anytime our youth ministry gets a win, I step in and go, yes, our youth ministry gets a win. Um, anytime Brad or Clayton preaches a good message now, I'm the first one to tweet about it or to blog about it or say something good about it because you can either be the critic or you can be the cheerleader. Um, and I'm the cheerleader minus the skirt. I am not wearing a skirt. I'm not that dude. Um, don't worry. I'm not dressing up in secret. My name isn't J. Jay Ever, Jay Ever Hoover, But the, the reality is... I, I really do want to be the the main cheerleader in this church and celebrate the victories that every team gets
0: mm-hmm. well I mean that that and I appreciate the way you do that you know you mentioned sherry and Brad and Clayton all those guys I mean to me it just feels like uh, that is an affirmation of your security that God has given you a vision you yep. planted this church we've grown this church. To where it is, and so it creates opportunity, and so most great leaders love the thought of creating more opportunities.
1: And as God's church. Hey, what did John the Baptist say in John chapter 3 when they came to him and said, Hey, man, people are leaving us and going over to them. John said, A man can only receive what has been given to him from above. So, so I'm did. like, man, that's good.
0: Uh, insecurity sign number five is this. You cannot celebrate when God what God is doing in other churches, or you always critique instead of celebrating.
1: Yeah, and that kind of that's kind of a cousin of number three, kind of kissing cousins, almost like they're from Kentucky. Um, but number number five, uh, it's one of those things where churches just don't celebrate very well together. Um, and by the time this podcast is released, I've got a blog post going out about that because you know I'll I'll tweet or I'll celebrate. Um, hey, we saw 100 people receive Christ, or we saw this uh, this um, campus have a record attendance, or we saw two people in Florence give their lives to Jesus, or we'll see something like that. And I've literally seen people out there going, man, you shouldn't say stuff like that. It makes other church leaders feel bad. And I'm like, feel bad? You would feel bad because somebody received Jesus? You would feel bad because uh, an a- attendance record was set? You would feel bad because somebody got baptized? I'm sorry, I thought we were pra- playing for the same freaking team. Yep. No, when one person gets saved in a church, when a church sets an attendance record, I think we're supposed to celebrate that. I think we're listen. We're on the same team, and if it makes you feel bad, it's because you're either um, you're either you're either not focused on Jesus, you're either not focused on Jesus and His kingdom winning, or you're an insecure leader.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I can tell listeners out there, too, that uh, with integrity, I mean, we, I've heard you, I know we collectively, we celebrate when we hear uh, from any church that on Twitter or Facebook or through any other means where they say, hey, somebody crossed over from death to life today. Absolutely. You know, think about Chris Elrod or Pete Wilson or Stephen Furtick, a lot of guys that we keep in contact with. When Jeff Capusta. All those guys, when we hear about something great there, we, we really do celebrate. I got I got a note in the mail. Um, I got two cards in
1: the mail this week from church planners that have been through our coaching network Um, One was from J.R. Lee, and the other was from Daniel Floyd, I believe, in in Virginia. And both of them um, took the time to share with me a personal note on how many people have came to Christ in their church since they've started. And, bro, I freaking lost my mind. I'm like, first of all, I was completely overwhelmed that these men took the opportunity, um, the time and and an opportunity to write me a letter Um, But I read that, and I wrote each of them back, and I was just like, way to go. Yay, God, because, I mean, I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate when somebody else um, wins people to Christ. That is celebration worthy.
0: That's good. That's good advice. Uh, Insecurity sign number six was this. You wrote, you always believe someone on your staff is going to attempt a coup and try to take over your role as leader. And this leads to suspicion and distrust, which will destroy any team.
1: Right. If you spot a young leader on your staff or um, somewhere else, a, a developing leader, um, and they're man, they're just, they're just busting through lids. I mean, they're just killing it. One of the easiest things to do is to believe that they're going to take over your job. Um, and I would say if they work in your department and they take over your job, that makes you a great leader. Because you hired them. Um, One of the things I'm enjoying watching right now is I'm a Clemson fan, as all people that love Jesus should be. And um, watching the head coach over there, who's a friend, Dabo Sweeney, um, Dabo made an excellent hire with Chad Morris as the offensive coordinator. And Clemson's offense this year um, ran up some points. And I've literally heard people argue, well, you know, it, it, it wasn't Dabo. It was Chad Morris. Well, you can say that all day, but at the end of the day, Dabo hired him and then let him lead. And I'm like, that's a secure leader right there. It comes back to, um, I, I heard, I've heard it said before, you know, and in Shane, I respect the person that I heard say this or that was reported that said this, but I don't believe it's true is, um, uh, there's always a, it, it was told to leaders. There's always a Judas at the table and, um, if you always go to your table wondering who Judas is, you're going to be trying to identify Judas rather than follow Jesus. Um, you're going to be trying to identify Judas rather than lead the church, um, and it, it that just that attitude, if it gets into a team, that somebody somebody is going to betray you and hurt you, um, that's destructive. And you know what? Hey, here's reality. At some point along the way, somebody probably is going to betray you. Yep. Somebody probably is going to hurt you. It's probably going to be from the inside. It's going to suck. I can't tell you that's not going to happen. It happened to Jesus. Um, he came out of it pretty good, though. So I, w- I would just say you know, it might happen, but if you start suspecting that of people on your team, it's going to tear down the unity every time.
0: Yep, and I love, again, Jesus' example there. Not only did Jesus didn't just suspect, he knew Judas was going to betray him, and he still served him the Last Supper. Washed his feet. And washed his feet. I'd have broken his toes, but that's why I'm not Jesus. That's, that's, you know, Jesus, the epitome of security. Absolutely. Uh, Insecurity sign number seven, you said this, you dismiss what God is doing in another ministry because it does not line up exactly with where you are theologically.
1: Yes, yes. Yes, all my reformed brothers, please listen to me right here. I know I just made them mad they're going to blog about it, but only we four, could say Pentecostal only four too. people read their blogs, yeah, Pentecostals are the same way. Pentecostals you're right um or Baptist you, you, throw Everybody. anybody throw anybody in there the right situation um yeah, so I love what Mark Driscoll said, where he said, "My theology is a home, not a prison, and I'm free to visit other people's homes. I love that because um. The, the reform guys will say, well, what God's doing over there in that church, I mean, those people aren't really getting saved. And I'm like, who the heck are you to be the salvation police? Or the Pentecostals say, well, those people aren't getting saved because they're not doing this. And I'm like, who the heck are you to say who is and who is not receiving Christ? The last I checked, God separates the, wheats and the wheat and the tares. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I'm just going to say that... Uh, Yes, theology is important. Yes, you should know what you believe and why you believe it. But what I've discovered at 40 is my theology at 40 is much different than it was at 30. Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be a lot different at 50 than it was at 40, than it is at 40. So I'm just saying, let your theology, like Driscoll said, let your theology be a home and not a prison. And when you see something working, because here's the deal, Shane, you look at the churches right now in America that are really taking ground for the kingdom. I'm talking they are growing, people are being saved, lives are being changed. You look at the common denominator across all of those ministries, and it's not theology. I mean, there are, there are people on the theological spectrum that are all the way across the board. It all comes back to godly leaders who really, really are trying to seek the heart of God um, and, and they talk about Jesus, and they preach God's Word, but it has nothing to do with only this particular group of churches is growing. Theology is necessary. Good theology is necessary, but the same theology across the board isn't essential. So, man, I, I've learned from all kinds of guys. I've, lear- I've learned—you know, I I'm a, I'm a joke, but I've learned a lot from the Reform guys. Yep. I've learned a lot from the Pentecostals. Yep. Um, I've learned a lot from the Baptists. Um, I've learned a lot from the Presbyterians. I've learned a lot from them because I feel like I'm secure enough to go out and try to learn from them rather than say, oh, well, you believe in infant baptism, then I can't learn anything from you. Well, I don't believe in infant baptism, but if you believe in infant baptism, I still think I could probably learn something from you, and you could learn something from me. Don't baptize babies. So there we go. (laughs) That's
0: right. Well, you know, the thing that I love, and just to affirm that, I really do love the way we have been able uh to interact with churches church leaders yes. from every ilk yep. of theology and it has served us well and I don't know about you but the older I get the less I'm certain I know I'm just for sure that Jesus saved me.
1: I I know Jesus saved me other than that man I I'm I'm just still trying to figure this thing out. I love what TD Jake said. See right yeah. there I'm in I'm in trouble for quoting TD Jake with some people. Jakes. Bishop T.D. Jakes is what I'll call him. I love what Bishop T.D. Jakes said when he said, when you can fully explain God, he ceases to be God. So good. I'm like, put that in your pipe and smoke it. I love it. I said that. Bishop didn't say that.
0: One reformed guy, I will say I love T.D. Jakes. I do too, man. Love T.D. Jakes. Uh, Insecurity sign number eight. You lead through intimidation, always threatening to fire someone if things don't shape up around here.
1: All right. That one makes me mad. Um if people are intimidated by you—well, let me back up. If people are intimidated by you, it's probably because they don't know you real well. Uh, but if, if, you, if you try to in, lead through intimidation or manipulation, you're not, you're not the leader. Because if, if you go into somebody's office and you start throwing things and you start saying, well, if it don't shape up, we're going to have to get some rid of some people, um, now, now they're following you out of fear. They're not following you because they respect you. They're not following you because they believe in the vision. They're following you out of fear, and they're probably getting their resume together while you're not looking. Um, so you cannot expect to intimidate somebody and lead them effectively.
0: Totally agree. Those pe- people, that's in John Maxwell's new book, that's level one leadership, yep. right? That's positional leadership. Yep. And people who work, not to mess up as opposed to work to make a difference. Yep. You know, um, I hate the idea that people only do, don't do what you expect. They only do what you inspect. And yeah. I'm just, my experience has always been that, that people do what they see a leader doing. Yep. And, and, you know, I'll, you know, I come
1: back to that. You've got to set high standards and Agreed. you, you've got to, you know, from time to time, you got to check in on the work. But like, if I, you know, I'll just say it this way. This is the way I lead. I am not the perfect leader. There's lots of loopholes in my leadership. Um, but I think one of the things that we've done well, Shane, is um, recently we had a video service uh, where we shared three testimonies, one of them being my wife, mm-hmm. about people that came to Christ. The We we sat in a room. We talked about those videos. I cast a vision of about, hey, guys, this is where I want the service to go. Your team went out. Made those videos, shot them, produced them. The very first time I saw those videos was in the service that I sat in on that Sunday. Um,
0: that was true for me
1: too. Yeah. I mean, you just, there has to come a point where, because, and somebody, I forgot who it was that taught me this, but there's nothing that happens on Sunday that you can't fix on Monday. That's true. If something would have been wrong, we, and actually, we did. We made two adjustments, one or two adjustments, really minor tweaks mm-hmm. after um, that, but it, it was one of those things where I just trusted people, and they weren't scared that I'm going to go come in their office and go psycho Billy Ninja and start throwing things all over the place and, and, and informing them that their mother and father were never married through certain words. So you, you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and uh, insecurity sign number nine is similar, kind of plays off that one, but you really do like the fact that uh people on your staff are afraid of you
1: yeah if you really do like the fact that people are afraid of you you need to knock that off you you want to be worshipped rather than you want people to worship god Mm -hmm. the bible says fear the lord not fear you and so if you're more obsessed with people fearing you than fearing the lord something is off and you might need to deal with that
0: uh insecurity sign number 10 is is this you feel the need to prove yourself in every meeting you're in by seizing every opportunity you have to speak, believing that everything in the meeting is not going to be its absolute best until you have had your say about
1: it. Yeah. See, here's the deal. Man, I used to be the world's worst at this. I really did. I felt like I had to interject my opinion um, in everything because the world was not complete without my opinion. And that's um, that's just not true. Uh, It hit me the other day I was thinking about this, I'd written this It hadn't gone um, live yet on the post But we were in a meeting this past week Where we brought two other leaders Into the meeting that aren't normally in the meeting You'll remember when Howard Mm -hmm. and Matt came in And they were kind of walking through um, Some vision stuff related to Where we're getting ready to go And what we're getting ready to do with campuses And I think I sat there for 30 minutes and didn't say a word Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't ask questions I just let those guys lead and eventually um, they answered all my questions that I was that I had in my mind anyway um, my I, th- I think when a leader stops trying to prove himself or prove herself and they're just secure in who they are um, it, it here's what's funny um, if you're a leader and you don't say anything in the meeting I can promise you whoever is leading that meeting Will probably stop and ask you your opinion before they move on because they already respect you as a leader. So that's you know, and, and the other thing that Shane that I had to work on that I was horrible at right here is I would I was I was the world's worst at interrupting people. Mm-hmm. I would just butt in, and what that all interrupting interrupting people is a sign of disrespect. And uh, I was I I used to be the world's worst at that, and I'm just like no shut up. Shut up. Shut up. And that's not what I'm saying to them. It's what I'm saying to me. Shut (laughs) up. Shut up. Shut up. Let them finish talking. And, uh, you know, they they might work the problem out by themselves. So anyway, those are just that's just a few thoughts there.
0: Yeah. What I loved about you mentioned uh, Matt and Howard being in the meeting, you know, the reality is if if the sum total of 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 what your organization can do is what you can do, then you can only do as much as you can do or see as far as you can see, but other people can see what you can't see and do what you can't do. And I love that, that dynamic about, about our, our organization.
1: Well, our church has grown to the size it is, because, not because I'm involved in every decision, but because I'm not involved in every decision. I've gotten out of the way. Um, if something's wrong, we fix it. But I just hire incredibly awesome, capable people and get out of their way. Uh, I had a guy come to me one time, Shane, this was so funny. And you'll remember this, um, when we were building this building, and he asked me the question: uh, the, the building that the Anderson campus is in. You know, we were um, we spent land and building. I think fourteen point three, fourteen point seven million. I don't even know what it was. Holy crap! It what? was it was it was a very intimidating. Um, and I had a guy say, you know, it was nearing completion, and he said, "Man, I bet you're out at that building all the time." And I said, "Honestly, bro, I've been there three times since we started building it." Uh, like been out here and walked through it. Like I drove by it a lot just to kind of look at it like, oh my gosh, is this really happening? And he looked at me and he said, why haven't you been out there but three times? And I said, bro, I don't know construction. What would I do? Uh, Like, I don't know how lights are hung. I don't know how walls are put up. I can't, listen, in my home, I don't even change light bulbs because I would burn the whole flipping house down. Like I just do not have any of that capability. So why would I show up and start talking to people about stuff I, I don't know about. It's the same thing with shooting a video. Why would I walk over to the video guys' edit suites and start telling them how to do, do I don't, I, listen, I can barely post a blog post. <laughs> I really can, I can barely, I don't even know how to embed stuff. If you've ever seen anything embedded on my blog, like a video, somebody else did that for me. I have no idea how to do that stuff. So why would I roll up on somebody else and try to tell them how to do something that I don't really know how to do it anyway?
0: So true. I remember when we met with Robert Morris and uh, we were talking about leadership and something that uh, one of his guys was over and, and I think I or somebody else asked the question, so what do, you, what do you do in regards to that? And he said, I don't do anything. He said, why would I try to get in the way of, of something that God's gifted someone else to do? And I just thought that was such a cool leadership statement.
1: Yep. I love Robert Morris too. Yeah, me too. He's awesome. Uh, all
0: right. You know, all right. so we've outlined a lot of the signs of uh, what it means to be an insecure leader. So let's provide some hope from those guys that are out there that know that they're battling with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly you've said that that you've dealt with this. So how can a leader overcome insecurity?
1: The leader can overcome insecurity by, number one, understanding that if you're a leader because God called you, um, God will establish his leader in his time. Um, You don't have to. If you're trying to establish yourself as the leader, then, um, well, Theologically, some people have a problem with this, but you're getting in God's way. Um, Now, God will remove you from his way, but uh, if you're trying to set yourself up as the leader, then God won't waste his time setting you up as the leader. Um, But if you'll get out of the way and let God establish you as a leader, he'll do more in 10 minutes than you can do in 100 years. And so that's the thing I would say is understand the calling of God on your life, understand the blessing of God on your life, and hey, understand one day, people are going to pass you in leadership and that's okay that in fact when people accomplish things that you don't accomplish or you never accomplished that's a win i think about the fact that um we've got a uh young lady on staff named sherry moorhead who's our director of volunteers who does an amazing job and back in 2006 we were training for a marathon um and It went very bad for me. Uh, I passed out on the side of the road and hit my head and got to go get a CAT scan and some stuff like that. It's amazing. Um, But while we were doing the training runs, while we were doing the training runs, uh, I would finish my run, and then I would go back and get Sherry and run in with her. Sometimes it would add, you know, between three and, you know, six miles to my run, but I would do that. That was a commitment I had. I, I told her, if you train with us, I'll finish and I'll come back and I'll get you. Well, she always talks about how, you know, she's, she was doing a leadership talk one time, and she said mm-hmm. she was using me as an example. She said Perry came back for me, and that's what a leader does. But um, I take it a step further, and I say here's the beautiful thing about that analogy. Yes, I came back for her in all those training runs, but when we went out to do the marathon, I didn't finish. She did, and that's the goal as a leader, mm. to see people go beyond what you can do, to see people go places you could never go. Um, that 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 shouldn't bring out insecurity in you. that should bring out like man, I think I did something right right there.
0: I mean that that's just a good word right there. I had this other thought pair as we were talking about this you know how a leader can overcome insecurity. Well, what if you uh, were in the position of working for for a leader who's insecure and they have all the signs uh, that we've talked about and so and you feel committed to that person you're committed to the vision of, of that church or organization what suggestion would you give to someone who may be working for an insecure leader
1: oh okay if you feel committed to them because if you don't feel that committed to them and you write code for the web you can come work at newsprint <laughs> <Correct. laughs> um, yes Dot net, code. Dot .net code I'm just saying if there's anybody out there I think God just spoke <laughs> to matter of
0: fact your leaders awful and yeah you yeah know. quit now oh
1: my gosh they probably poisoned your drink anyway um, I you know If you feel called to them, then you just got to continue to serve them and pray that God will change their heart. Uh, If God leads you and go in and have a heart to heart conversation with them, not in in an accusatory tone, but in a very loving and direct tone. Um, Talk with them through it. Walk with them through it. Um, But if you feel called to them, the only thing you can do really is speak the truth in love and then ask God to change their heart.
0: That's good. Well, with that, Perry, uh, I just want to open it up uh, for some final thoughts for you, uh, last thoughts on uh, being an insecure leader.
1: You know, in- insecurity is something that we're all going to battle as leaders. And so if you are battling um, one or two or even all ten of the signs that we went through, um, the reality is the reason I could come up with these ten signs is because at some point over the past 20 years in my leadership journey, I've, I've dealt with one of these. Like, I really have. Like, I have personally had to fight through this. And so um, insecurity insecurity is something um, that Satan throws at leaders because an insecure leader will be an ineffective leader every time. Um, insecure equals ineffective. Um, but if you can overcome insecurity, uh, man, God can do more with and through you than you could ever, ever, ever imagine. So I would just encourage the people out there is, you know, pick out one sign, pick out two signs, pick out 10 signs, talk to the people closest to you, go, hey, man, I'm really wrestling with this right now. I'm really struggling with this right now. Can you help me through this? Because the people that serve closest to you are the best people possible to coach you through what you're struggling with. Um, so you're
0: saying invite their feedback? Yes.
1: I mean, hey, listen, here's a, great, here's a great idea. If you're struggling with what to do in your next meeting, take this list in there and just ask the guys and girls that you serve with um, that are closest to you, which of these signs do you see me struggle with? Mm-hmm. And shut up and listen. Um, it, anyway, that might be a, that'd, that'd be a fun meeting. Yeah, that would but be you know funny. what, man? If those people love you, if you take it in um, and you give it to people, and they if they go, man, you're the perfect leader. You have no problems. Then uh, number two, they're afraid that if they push back, <laughs> that that you that that, that you're uh, that they're disloyal and you'll fire them. So you know which one your problem is.
0: Well, that's a really good suggestion. Well, with that, I think we'll conclude this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Again, thanks everyone out there for listening month to month. We really appreciate that. And we'd love to entertain your questions. If you have leadership questions that you would like us to consider discussing on this podcast, just send them to hello at newspring.cc with the subject line of Leadership Podcast, and we'll do our best to get to them. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.